0: Hello everyone, welcome to this edition of the Pharmacy Magazine Talking Covid podcast where we look back at developments of the past seven days in pharmacy. It's been another busy week with lots to talk about. My name is Richard Thomas, the editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Joining me as usual, zooming in from just outside Basingstoke is Rob Darkot, editor of P3 Pharmacy Magazine. Hello Rob, how are you doing? I'm all right Richard, how are you? Very well, thank you Rob. Good to see you and hear you. And from Stepney, East London. Is it Stepney,
1: Arthur? That's correct, yeah. Stepney, East London.
0: Sunny East London. That's Arthur Walsh, editor of Pharmacy Network News. Um, and both are going to be joining me on the pod this week, as in every week. So, later on, we're going to have a, a different sort of pharmacy on the front line interview, where we talk to Julian Munt, who's the managing director of Alliance Healthcare, Wholesalers very much on the COVID front line and it was interesting to talk to Julian about some of the challenges he's faced during this COVID crisis. We also have some poetry on the pod in an attempt to add some literary class to our weekly ramblings. But let's kick off with Good Week, Bad Week. Now we don't discuss in too much detail uh, what we're going to talk about before we record the pod, but I can think, I think I can guess who's had a bad week this week. But let's see. Arthur, who's had a bad week for you? Uh
1: well, definitely the death in service scheme has been the story of the week, hasn't it? It's been a very uh dramatic week with all these sort of announcements and counter announcements that have gone on. On Monday it was announced that um kind of health health workers on the front line would be eligible for this um 60,000 their families would be eligible for this 60,000 pounds payout if 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 they die. But And it was sort of assumed that pharmacists would be covered because it, there was a mention of people providing uh, NHS services or, or non-NH, non-NHS employees providing NHS services. And it was sort of assumed that pharmacists would be covered by that. But then um, when the Department of Health was approached, they were sort of a bit more mealy-mouthed and said, well, only in exceptional circumstances. And then it all, all just sort of blew up from there and lots of pressure from all the pharmacy bodies on Matt Hancock Hancock and the government and I think even um, Keith Ridge, the Chief Pharmaceutical Officer in England, weighed in yesterday. So uh, fortunately today we've had the announcement that pharmacists are covered um, but there's still a question mark over the wider pharmacy team Um, so we'll wait to to hear on that.
2: Yeah Rob, um, bad week for you? Yeah I think nobody's covered themselves in glory there have they? I, you know, I was kind of staggered by the thing to start with. And then uh, whoever it was, now I don't know, we can't sort of say bad week for X because we don't know who it was. But whoever it was then tried to come up with this sort of crass argument that, um, oh, well, you know, there'd have to be a proven contact with, um, you know, somebody who's later shown to have, have, have got the, the virus. I mean, the very point about community pharmacy in the early weeks of this whole pandemic crisis has been they haven't known you know who's got it partly because they've had open doors okay managed entry but open doors but also because of the lack of testing uh that's been available in in the UK uh it could have been any single person who walked through the door who was carrying the virus as far as community pharmacies were concerned so to try and use that as some kind of excuse, knowing full well that there's no way anybody could prove a particular individual um, had uh, had the virus, it's, you know, just, you know, heaping, um, heaping on top of a, you know, a pretty uh, poorly worded, if that's what it was, or insensitive, certainly, decision in the first place. Yeah, Rob, I,
0: I agree with you on you, Arthur. It's um terrible week for well for X. Yeah, who is X? Let's let's say the government and and the Department of Health and yeah. Social Care. I mean, you know, obviously I welcome the news that that Hancock has backtracked, but as you say uh, there's still questions to be answered does this cover pharmacy staff and there's still that issue I think Rob about you know how do you prove or do you need to prove that you've had contact with a a Covid positive patient well how can you do that in community pharmacy but compared to where we were at the start of the week you know it's much better news and and at least the government has has done the right thing but you know there's There's no doubt that this has caused uh, such a lot of hurt and anger in the sector. I mean, the original decision was just so inherently unfair and unjust. I think I called it morally indefensible in my vlog yesterday. You know, it takes a lot to wound pharmacy at the moment, doesn't it? Coming on top of a series of fiascos that we've had really overfunding the 300 million pounds of so-called new money, which was eventually corrected, the communications on that. We've had the deliveries. PPE has been an absolute scandal key workers debacle you know pharmacies always become immune to this sort of shabby treatment but but this one really got through and wounded so clumsily handled and to me it raises the question again of well how do things like this happen in the first place you know is it a communication cocker uh, or is it indicative of something deeper at the heart of government and is a reflection of a of a broken relationship with, with community pharmacy And another point that people were making yesterday, and I agree with wholeheartedly, why is it that pharmacy always has to fight fangs out, tooth and nail, to achieve even a a semblance of parity of treatment and respect from the government? It's just so unnecessary, really. So government has swiftly backtracked. That's welcome. Still questions to be answered, but nothing other than a, a bad week for Matt Hancock et al., and a bad week for the relationship between community pharmacy and the government. They put this bit right, but the relationship desperately needs a major reboot, I think, uh, when yeah, we're I through I, all this.
2: I think you're right there, Richard. I'm just on that, on that last point. So one of the things I've been doing this week is talking to a few, uh, a few of our colleagues out in community pharmacy, and uh, one of the people I spoke to actually was uh, your friend and mine we had her on the we had her on the pod last week uh, Rena and I was asking one of the questions I was asking colleagues was what they would say to a government minister should one find a way to their door I mean I, I know that's they probably need a very very detailed map I suspect to get to the door of a pharmacy um <clears throat> but uh, I said well you know what would you say and and she she said something very interesting and I think it's underpins this whole, the thrust of your argument there, which is she said, I'd say you have to see it to believe it. There are not enough ministers or powers that be that have a true recognition of what we do and what we have done during this pandemic at an extra level. Uh, unless they spend some time in a pharmacy to really understand it, I don't think they can do what they're supposed to be doing with us. And I think she's right, you know, and I think when this is all over, uh, the pharmacy organisations need to have a very clear and long, hard think about how they're going to engage, at the very basic level. I think about what pharmacy is and does.
0: Very good, Arthur. Do you you've got any reflections on the relationship, if there is one, between between government and community pharmacy, and where it's going wrong? I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, with this, like you say, with this, it's hard to know what exactly went wrong, and whether it was a deliberate exclusion of of pharmacy or whether it was a communications cock-up. But I think it it certainly does tell you something about the pecking order and where pharmacy ranks in the minds of policymakers, which is, that's not a new issue. We hear it all the time with funding. But with something like this, it's so, um, like you say, it's just so morally wrong that the efforts of pharmacies were not immediately recognised in the way that others were.
0: So let's hear from our person on the COVID front line in our regular interview slot. This week, it's Julian Mounts, the managing director of Alliance Healthcare. Wholesalers have been right at the sharp end of the COVID crisis, and Alliance has continued to deliver twice daily to its sixteen thousand five hundred dispensing points, including community pharmacy, of course, throughout the entire crisis. It's been one heck of a logistical undertaking and not without its challenges, as Julian explains. Well, hi, Julian. Thanks for coming uh, on the pod. First of all,
3: how are you? Are you well? I'm very well, thank you. And, uh, I, and, and I think, as we'll talk about, uh, Richard, you know, we are, we're certainly enjoying our challenge of supporting the NHS. Um, as a company, uh, we feel part of the solution, which is, which is really great. Yes, uh, you certainly are, and, and those challenges would be interesting to,
0: to talk about, I'm sure. Um, what we're trying to do with these interviews is give our listeners an idea of, of what it's been like along various parts of the, the COVID front line, really. So could you give an idea of how much your order volumes have increased over the course of the crisis, uh, especially at the beginning, in the middle of March, and are they going back to normal levels now?
3: Yeah, it's, it's been very interesting. I mean, we've seen we saw in march a greater volume than normal peak normal peak times for us are around the holiday seasons especially christmas um and in the two weeks uh, in the beginning first two weeks of march we saw our order volumes go up by about 40% now i mean that's that's a lot of extra volume to put into our warehouses but also we saw that increase with also the isolation cases and the shielding people giving us um, you know, a problem with uh, our uh, attendance rates in those warehouses, so you know it was it was extreme pressure on the organization, but we kind of turned two, and that 's why i'm i 'm really proud of the team in the way that they said, Well, look, Manning is down, orders are up, but we know we have to support the nhs and so we we made a conscious decision to say we actually were going to increase our service we were going to maintain our twice daily delivery to support community pharmacy and and that's something that was unanimous across my management team to say we can't let community pharmacy down at this time we increased our uh, weekend deliveries to hospitals and we also made sure that everyone understood our emergency order process so so you know it was a conscious decision it's it's put my organization under strain and I think that's just the service side of things. When I think about the the stock planning as well, when you go into a period like Christmas, you have months to plan your stock in advance to increase your stock. But this came and hit us right out of the blue. So our buyers and the way that we've globally sourced our availability uh, has been absolutely superb. And so, so yes, um, I wouldn't... I'd be... Um, I I wouldn't be truthful if I said it hasn't been uh, painful at times in terms of making sure that our organisation stuck to its twice daily delivery schedule but we've we've done it and come and, and 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 now we are seeing orders come back down to a to a normal type volume but um, you'd need a better crystal ball than mine to kind of see what it's going to do in the next few months as well as we as we come out of lockdown. So I think we just remain prepared, Richard. That's that's the best way of putting it. Yes, yeah, so and to keep twice daily deliveries going is is uh, in the, the,
0: the circumstances that you were faced with is a remarkable effort, really. Um, did you have to Put in place special measures to to cope with the increased demand i mean things like um stopping otc deliveries for instance or um not accepting returns or orders in error are those measures still in place and and when will they be coming back to normal
3: yeah so i mean we had we had to do a couple of things i think the 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 first thing that we had to do and i think that we did pretty well was we had to communicate with customers the right way so we had to make sure that our communication channels were immediate at, at the start of the pandemic. We had to give reassurance in terms of our service. We're staying open, the the twice-daily delivery and everything we can do to support community pharmacy because, you know, I mean, I, I think we're, you know, the spine of the distribution network of the NHS in the UK. In fact, you know, one in every three medicines taken in the UK is supplied through Alliance Healthcare. So it's absolutely vital that we stay, um, you know, true to true to our purpose. But community pharmacy is really at the front line. And these guys were were huge during this crisis. So how are we going to best um, support them? Well, the first thing we did is we, we lifted the fuel surcharge. So from the 1st of March 2020, we took away the fuel surcharge. Uh, and we said, look, there's just a little bit of us um, giving back. In terms of the operation, we had to change our returns policy, I especially ordered in error. In fact, 86% of our returns processed in the warehouse are ordered in error. So to to take, to take that volume out of the warehouse and prioritise that on the picking and packing was a was a kind of a no-brainer decision. We had to do that. We also made small changes to our cutoff times, which allowed better service, and I think all of our customers will agree that change has really enabled service to be uh, at a different level. And then also we had to change our our, our priority picking. So for some non-essential uh, um, items like health and beauty we had to say listen priority ethical medicines take priority over that order and so we had to we had to change the way that we 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 did that so we have made some changes but i think also in the stock allocation we've tried to be as fair and equitable to everybody that we can because you know it, it it's no good having availability one week and three weeks you have no availability because um you, you you've've you've, uh, you you're out of stock, so you know for us it was about saying right, how can we best manage the stock we have, best manage the service, and make sure that we continue to support the pharmacy with twice daily and and a fair allocation of products
0: so will you be taking back orders in error at, at some point or are customers going to be left with what's effectively dead stock?
3: No, no, no. We, we, will take, we, we will be changing back um, our returns policy um, and, and also the, uh, the priority picking once we see the volume stabilise in the warehouses. So, yes, yes, temporary, temporary measures. And we'll be uh, alerting our customers shortly on that. OK.
0: Um, how have you approached the quota issue during the crisis? Always a, a thorny subject with, with pharmacists, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, did you have to change your, your policies here?
3: No, we we definitely didn't um, what we what we do is we, we, we have a, a very um, patient focused supply policy in that you know we try and be as fair and equitable in terms of order quantity and supply to our pharmacies so we know we know what uh, regular volumes are of products into pharmacy and demand and we try to match the the our relationships with suppliers in terms of sourcing with prescription demand with with ordering history with stock availability and we try and and we we try and make the best fairest equitable solution on stock distribution and what we found is by carrying out this really responsible way of managing stock we can allow um you know what we believe to be satisfying true demand and making sure patients get their medicines because you know in in peak and trough situations of in and out of stock nobody benefits and it, and and I don't think it's the right way to run a business
0: we talked you talked about communications with customers and and how important that is um are you getting communications back from from customers worried about Credit limits and things like that with their ordering levels um,
3: so high at the moment. Yeah, that, that's a very good point. So, I mean, I think if I break the question into two parts, number one, um, I, I, honestly, I do a, a managing director's call with the organization every two weeks and I kind of feed back to the organization some of the things that some of the comments we're getting from customers. And from hospital trusts, from community pharmacy and, and also from manufacturers, I've never had so many uh, letters of thanks and praise in the way that we were serving the market during this time. So I think, you know, I won't call it vindication, but 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 I think people are saying, you know, we appreciate the service you're providing, Julian. And I think in regard to supporting pharmacy customers, you know, we we are we we are co joined with our pharmacy customers. It's it's in our best interest to make sure that community pharmacy thrives and it, and it, and is best placed in the UK. So we review our credit limits. We take up individual inquiries. We we will do everything we can to make sure that community pharmacy survives and thrives in the UK. And 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 there won't be any. Um, there won't be any draconian measures from us. I'm sure that would be very reassuring uh, for your customers to hear that.
0: Um, The business itself, uh, you you mentioned early on, has been very resilient, really, by the sound of it during the the crisis. Um, What changes did you have to make to processes and structures? And you mentioned, you know, dealing with staff absences, etc. Did you have to furlough any employees within the company?
3: Yeah, it's, it's it's a good question. So, I mean, what we... What we've done um, is we've ha- we've done. Uh, I-, I think um, if I if I deal with the furlough question first, we've furloughed a small number of people, uh, and generally speaking, they are um, staff that would normally spend the majority of their time in community pharmacy because. You know the the last thing I want to burden a community pharmacy with, a pharmacist with right now is dedicating time to talk to us when they can be talking to patients. So so there's a we 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 we've done that, but the majority has been in the reorganisation of the way that we've worked. So we have uh, office based employees that are now helping in warehouses. We have uh, back office staff that are transferred to other departments where we've seen uh um load change and in fact what what i've what i've been really pleased with is the fact that um the attitude of alliance healthcare has been uh not um oh you're moving me or you're asking me to do something different it's um Right reporting for duty where do you want me to go today boss it's it's been really it's been really good um and i think we have managed the situation with our staff to say listen you know in normal business operations you would have been deployed as xyz things are extraordinary at this time and now you need to be deployed abc and everybody has said absolutely we'll get on with it and i think that i think the other thing is the post covid world is going to be different to the pre covid world, and so the the way that your organization was set up pre covid may not be the way your organization is set up post covid and I think we 're all going to have to embrace that flexi- flexibility and change as we see as we come out the other side of this yes uh, i 'd agree with you their flexibility
0: is going to be key going forward, I think, right across the the supply chain and for pharmacy you know especially can I ask about the Maybank holiday
3: coming up? Um, are you open over May? Yeah, so we, um, we will close on Friday the 8th. Uh, the service centres will be closed. We will have a full delivery on the Saturday. Uh, and, of course, over the period, we'll offer emergency courier services to whenever ph- uh, community pharmacy uh, um, uh, need. OK, and finally, Julian, uh, can we just talk about the, the PPE
0: situation? Um how does it work? Where do you get your supplies
3: from? And what are levels looking like at the moment? Well, um, Public Health England supplied us with a, with a very limited quantity of, of, of masks for, for pharmacy. Um, now, that limited quantity really meant us uh, having to say it's only one box per pharmacy um, and we would be fulfilling orders on a first-come, first-served basis subject to availability so I think what we've seen is that um, public health England who we uh, get our supplies from hold a number of events um, but uh, uh, demand is outstripping uh, supply it has it has put wholesalers in a difficult situation because obviously there are various uh, rumours about who has stock Uh, And then everybody is trying to source through you. But of course, you don't have any because you haven't been supplied by by PHE. So um, it's meant that our call centers and and uh, some of the questions we're asked uh, are a a little bit difficult. But we've put some very clear communication on our website. And uh, that's the situation so the, you know, the more the more that we get supplied, the more that we will supply that that's basically the answer. Well, thanks, Julian. Uh,
0: That's great. It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, Thank you so much uh, for your time and coming on the pod doing what is an exceptionally busy time for all of you uh, at Alliance. Um, Thanks again.
3: Thank you, Richard. I really enjoyed it.
0: So that was Julian Mount there. Um, Very interesting to learn about some of the challenges Alliance has faced as a business during this crisis while maintaining twice-daily deliveries to pharmacies during a period of unprecedented demand. And caught right in the middle too, aren't they, on some of the big areas of contention such as PPE availability and quotas and and things like that. But it was a fascinating chat and thanks again to Julian for coming onto the pod. So it's good week time now and I'll kick off with this. It's picking up from my bad week point, really, in a way. My good week goes to the swearing Welsh Health Minister, Vaughan Gethin, and the Welsh Government, who, in all seriousness, actually, again showed uh, decisive and clear leadership over the death in service issue. They said very quickly that community pharmacy teams would be included in the life assurance scheme. The right decision, swiftly communicated, clearly communicated, no drama. Uh, Why can't the government in England think and act in the same way, it's really not that difficult. So, uh, for me, a good week again for, Gorn, uh, for Vaughan Gething and the Welsh Government. Uh, Arthur,
1: who's had a, a good week for you? A uh, good week? Was it this week Boris had his baby? Was that last week or this week? Yes, I think yesterday. Oh, yes. Oh, right. OK, OK. Well, well done. That's a, that's a good week for him. Um, in... but as far as we know, it was only this week. Uh, in pharmacy, he's had a good week. Uh, potentially a good week for um, a good precedent for uh, wealth, the welfare of pharmacy employees. There was a case in Wales, in Hollyhead, of a, a pharmacy technician who would worked in a Boots branch for for thirty four years and then had been constructively dismissed. She had a disability, and the 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 new ma- this new manager who came in sort of forbade them all from taking the breaks that they were used to, and the court found that this this was not a fair treatment of this person on her disability and uh awarded her i think almost seven thousand pounds um which i think hopefully will set a good precedent uh i think the sheer workload and working conditions in a lot of pharmacies are something that has always that it's always something that's needed to be discussed and gotten out in the open and certainly after this crisis I think there's a discussion worth having uh,
0: yeah very much so I, I think the whole way that we look after the workforce in terms of grit, uh, breaks etc um, and look after each other within the sector is going to be really important um, going forward I think look at, look at the difference that, that closing for for an hour or two during the Covid crisis has made to, to pharmacies and the their efforts to control demand, you know, it's its made a big difference, actually. Um, I think a huge issue for the sector going forward, like you say, Arthur, and that was an interesting case there in North Wales. Um, Rob, who's had a good week for you? Uh,
2: well, I think that, belatedly somewhat, I think that the uh, Pharmacy Legal Services Negotiating Committee and the National Pharmacy Association have had the beginnings of a good week, potentially, with the announcement that they're going to be uh capturing uh good stories about uh pharmacy uh, performance during this crisis um now i think that i raised this i think last month in 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 the mag and it is important because when the when the numbers are told you know there was a hectic very very hectic fortnight or so in pharmacies at the end of Ma- the second half of march um, but the overall month, I guess, will it'll look like a blip in in prescription volume. And yet that isn't what pharmacies were doing, as we know from anybody who's spoken to any of them knows that they had queues out the door. Uh, they were dealing with all sorts of things, uh, you know, particularly as people got out in the garden for the first time ever. News of tetanus jabs being administered by pharmacists and all the rest of it because practice nurses weren't doing it and there's no real institutionalized way of capturing a lot of that so to be able to tell the story of how pharmacy stepped up and did magnificently in this whole uh, period that needs capturing somewhere so I think we've all been doing it as we go along and we've been noting uh, you know great stories that have appeared in social media or that we've come out of conversations that we've had with people but it does need to be systematised in some way so uh, you know I'm sure we'll, we'll uh, watch that uh, initiative with some interest and hope it goes well for them because as I say it's long overdue but you know well done for getting it sorted
0: Yeah evidence capture is going to be so important going forward and yes well done to, to the MPA and PSNC for perhaps a little late but they got there in the end for, for joining this particular party uh, so any other business, chaps? I did I tell you something I did notice, uh, which which might appeal. Um, did you see about? Did you read about this unusual protest in uh, Germany? I think over PPE shortages. So, um, a lot of doctors and dentists, I think, decided to uh, to pose naked uh, in protest at the shortages, um, saying that nudity is a symbol of how vulnerable we are without protection. So maybe this is something that the MPA and PSNC should be thinking of as well in the UK going forward. Just, just the thought.
1: Please, 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 no. OK, uh,
0: I take that as a no, guys. Please, 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 no.
1: Pharmacists on the front line, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, did either of you see anything that has caught the eye this week?
2: I, well, uh, the, the, the one thing that's really... Like, hugely amused me has been that uh, amazing um uh young lady in in america who lip-synced that ridiculous statement of donald trump's about disinfectant so so perfectly i mean i'm sure everybody's seen it because it went li- you know it went viral as they say uh but i thought that was just genius the other uh uh person who did the the d- the drunk woman in the in the nightclub doing exactly the same words is only just slightly behind. So both of those things, I think, have definitely kept me amused this week.
1: Yeah, just the bleach speech was the big moment, wasn't it? Did you see that video where it closes up on the what's it? What's her name? Burks, Deborah Burks, and you just see her like staring, looking at the floor, and her face just turns to absolute stone.
0: Yeah, she 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 was a candidate, an early candidate for bad week for me actually, because I I didn't know how she could sit there when he was saying oh. this, and I know you know that's a that's an ethical and a and a professional responsibility I think she had there to stand up. In front of him, actually, and to put that right. And yeah, she would have lost her job, you know, within minutes. But frankly, that yeah. was, uh, that was worth it. I thought it was a disgrace, yeah, actually.
1: Because, yeah, like, statistically, there will be, you know, 10 to 12 people in the world who see Donald Trump saying that and think, oh, maybe I should inject bleach. Yeah, it should be called called
0: out. It's very easy to to put Trump in a bad week every week, but for to me it's those nodding dogs behind him and his, you know his medical advisors. just just to sit there nodding away while he's going on one of his mad rants is just ridiculous. They should they should stand up for themselves actually it's disgraceful. Anyway, thanks for that.
2: I don't, I don't think Pence is ever going to live down that picture of him standing in the Mayo clinic. Surrounded by everybody wearing masks, and he's the only one who hasn't got one on. Just unbelievable.
1: What's it? He said he, he said it was to maintain eye contact or something silly like that. Was it? He had he had some really like Popeye explanation for it. It is complete
0: yeah. madness across the pond. It really is. Well, that just about wraps up this week's pod. Thanks to Rob and Arthur, as ever. Keep across all the news on pharmacymagazine.co.uk or pharmacynetworknews.com. Uh, the pod can be accessed from the sites and is now available on Spotify and iTunes as well. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, but we're going to play out with some poetry. Now, you may have seen this on social media. Community Pharmacy West Yorkshire has done this brilliant tribute And thank you to pharmacy teams during the Covid crisis. A whole load of pharmacists and pharmacy leaders have taken part in the recital of a special pharmacy version of Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. It was written by the Diane of Pharmacy in that part of the world, the wonderful Jill Hawksworth. And it's read for us now by Nigel Chivers. If
4: by Jill Hawksworth, with apologies to Rudyard Kipling. If you have kept the flow of patients steady with rules on social distancing in place, if you have worked without the right protection and have patients face to face, if you have worked with half the normal staffing because they need to isolate alone and cope with nearly double normal workload while stressed and sorting queries on the phone, if you have had requests for home deliveries as public think the guidelines are agreed. If you have found your way round stockpile issues and helped to meet the demands of those in need. If you have been exhausted but continued meeting targets, keeping standards high, knowing you must work those extra hours and find your inner strength and ask not why. If you have kept abreast of all the guidelines, fatigued and on the front line NHS. If you have felt that you are not supported, but you know you can't do more with less and less. If you have faced a really bad behavior as COVID-19 targets young and old, you are a true professional and hero, and what's more, you're worth your weight in gold.